I'm having a hard time, you know, doing this new intro thing. Oh. Starting? Yeah. Do you want? Do you want? Uh, because I, I, I think I think the vision for it before was that we're in conversation, and we kind of just fade in, in media res. Oh. Oh, I see. You know what I'm saying? Well, then what we need to do is we need to start talking about the movie, but not uh, say anything interesting. Oh. Right, because then we're missing out on... Content. Use, usable yeah. content. That's right, yeah. Right. Milk in this You wouldn't want to burn all the You have music, talk. though, right? Yeah, there's music. There's new music. Wouldn't it be better to take a clip from somewhere in the middle of the show and start it that way and then fade into the music and then... Like a teaser for the pod. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. So that way we can start in media res like that. There Take would like have a to be a really compelling moment. Let's oh, just got There's five always or ten seconds. There's always something. There's got to no, be. No, there's not. There's, there's be, not always something. There's got to be something. Listen, we've done 350 of these. Not all of them are pearls. All right. <laughs> I was just thinking not, of like. Deck, not all of them are gems. I'm just thinking of like deck the halls in the clip where you're like, I don't really want to talk about the pod, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really want to talk about the movie. Exactly. And, and, and that's your starter. <laughs> Yeah, listen, man, not every movie makes a good trailer. Sure. And um, maybe this is how we start the show. Let me ask you a question. Are there any trailers that you will watch again? Because there are some that I love so much that I've gone back and rewatched. Like the Fury Road trailer. Holy shit. That's that's an incredible trailer. The Uncut Gems trailer. I watch Mm, all the time. Okay. That because I love what I love watching that movie for the first time. It's one of my favorite movies of the last five years or whatever. But I'm not sure the experience of watching it was as euphoric as the experience of watching the trailer. That's interesting. There was something about seeing Mike Francesa as the bookie for the first time and seeing KG and kind of getting the vibe of the music with the weekend's music playing in the background. Like <laughs> I've watched that thing like 20 fucking times the first day it came out. <laughs> Not to mention watching Uncut Gems itself is a pretty uh, traumatic experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I love it. I love rewatching that one too. But you're right. Some some trailers... You know what trailer I thought was really excellent for a shit movie? And I, I don't know if there's ever been a trailer that, that has differed so much in quality. But the Man of Steel trailer is very good. Ooh. It's very good. Yeah, it is very good. And I remember watching that being like, holy shit, Nolan's doing the same thing for Superman. For Superman. Except it wasn't Nolan. Right. We didn't know that. But Right. His name was plastered on it as if he had any <laughs> exactly. say in it. But right. <laughs> no, but I kind of felt that way about the Dark Knight Rises trailer. And then we saw, we well, I guess we saw the, did we see the movie, Nick? I I don't know what delayed production so much. That's true. We're still waiting for the movie. <laughs> I've st- it's never come out. He's gotten sidetracked by like Dunkirk. And he had to do Tenet, you know. Tenet. It's just kind of like James Cameron in that way. It's very Cameron-esque. I will say I just watched for the first time the the trailer for Todd Field's, speaking of Tar, Todd Field's Little Children. Mm. And that's also an excellent trailer. I haven't seen the movie yet. I just I watched the trailer because I heard the trailer was so good. Yes, I, I I do find that to be an art form, though. Yeah. I also think, in general, the fact that there's no announcer has hurt the quality of trailers. Some of them. Some hurt. Of them. Yes. And you I think, like the announcer. I think you we like need to the go trailer back. not to going this Christmas. Yes. In a world, the classic in a world. Hundred oh, percent. Miss that dude. Have you seen In a World? 
No, you've told me to watch it. Apparently, it's great. That movie rules, yeah. dude. Lake Bell, it's so good. You know who has I'm great trailers? Sure I like, I'm not sure I like the uh, announcer, personally. Maybe it's just nostalgia for me. It feels very dated to me. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I grew up, like, you know, popping in the DVD, and you get the coming soon little uh, video clip, mm-hmm. and and... I remember just watching a string of those trailers, and they all had the announcer on it. Mm. Coming to DVD and VHS. Isn't it psychotic that they had coming soon stuff on your DVD? <laughs> and you couldn't Which skip would it. be irrelevant yeah. in three months. <laughs> Permanently. I don't know. For the like, rest of your life, all of those DVDs have a coming soon for movies that came out decades ago. The back in like, time sort of aspect to I don't know. I, I There's such a charm to it. I love it. I really love it. I'm trying to remember what that little musical cue was. Oh, I don't know. Uh, let me pull. I remember it was like, it was almost like the the sound when you opened up your Windows 95 for the first time, hmm. and you had that little charm effect. Uh, coming soon DVD sound. <laughs> oh my god! Here we go. Get ready for some hardcore nostalgia porn. Yeah, I hope you find it. Coming soon there on video and DVD. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, my God. Contain yourselves, everyone. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm I, back in Maryland. I got unbutt- <laughs> to unbutton my flannel. <laughs> the sound effect was on the Haunted Mansion 2004 Full screen DVD. Oh, full screen. Remember that shit? Remember oh, yeah. when full screen was like a big deal? I had a phase, oh my God, where I <laughs> I saw it and I hated it so much. I would go back and rebuy the DVDs looking for the widescreen version. Yeah. That was the worst. Man. My old Lord of the Rings DVDs, two of them are full screen. One of them is widescreen. Oh no! <laughs> it's the worst. Isn't it? it it's crazy. <laughs> there is um, There was a really long period of time where people were transitioning from one type of TV to another. Yeah. And so all the networks had to put their icons in weird places. They had to film their commercials in such a way that like the content was in the center. Right. But there was it extended right. out of frame. Yeah. Mm. One of the most horrifying sentences in the English language. This film has been reformatted to fit your TV screen. Remember that shit used yeah. to appear in front of all the cable reruns of old movies. So what did that mean? Like, what did they actually do? They were literally chopping off the sides of the picture. So they're chopping off the tops, top and bottom. Well, to they make were it they wide? were getting rid of the letterboxing, obviously, but they were also yeah they were they were making it full screen a lot of the time. Um, first time I ever saw Pulp Fiction was on TV, and it was reformatted in such a way, obviously you know to refit my TV, but it was cropped sometimes. So like for example, um, when Jules. And um and oh my God, Vincent, Vincent, that was bad. <laughs> when Jules and Vincent are riding the elevator, can I have your cinephile card, yeah, please? Can you hand it's it on over? The ground Thank over there. You. It's over there. Uh, <laughs> you can no, get when they're when, back when you. <laughs> that was bad. Jules and Vincent. <laughs> Jules and Vincent, brother to, brother of uh, uh, Michael Madsen. See, I yeah, I still know that's stuff. Right. Remember uh, his name? <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> you just dug your hole deeper. <laughs> Do I know his name? Do you know his last name at least? Hmm. 
Oh like, my god! Anyway, getting this thing why, back why for a long ass time, my friend. <laughs> now, to be fair, I don't, I don't know any. I other actually names. don't remember the Vega brothers. Yeah, that's right. I'll be honest; I don't remember Michael Madsen's yeah. first name either. Though <laughs> I was trying to catch who is he? He's Julian, Mister Blue. He's, he's, he's Mister Blonde. Mister Blonde. Oh, he is Mister Blonde. Mister Blonde. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hold on, let me find. No, uh, I totally forgot what I was talking. about. They never really reference his first names. It's no. just Tarantino. Uh, Mike Vega, y- Mikey. Y- you were- Adam, you were saying that the uh, <laughs> the movie was reformatted in the elevator. Okay, scene. yeah, Vic, yeah. So, Vic. Oh, Vic, Vic. Goddamn, Mike Vic. Whatever, yeah. Mike Vic. Mike Vic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Favorite football player of all time. <laughs> Paragon of virtue, that guy. I swap those two in Reservoir Dogs all the time. <laughs> what a joke. What a multi-layer joke out of nowhere. Congratulations. Does he get his card back? Does, does he get his card back, Nico? No, do I get He gets my... his comedy card now. Fuck yeah. There you go. Okay. Pretty I'm good. In one for the other. It's, it, it's going to be gone by the end of the show, guys. <laughs> No, I, I was saying that like, so when I first saw Pulp Fiction, it was reformatted for my television. And then you get to the, you know, the elevator scene. And I'm, I was so used to the longest time for it cutting back and forth between a single on uh, Jules and a single on Vincent. Oh my God, I'm they just, do that in that I'm shot? Just, I'm just like, oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. And then I finally brought the DVD and all of a sudden it's, it's a, a wide. wide. It's a two shot. Wide. Like what? Yeah. What is this? It was the weirdest experience because I, I, I the, the, the whole movie changed for me. Right. The whole movie changed. Of course. It changes the whole tempo of yeah, the movie. Well, yeah, no, but those two sh- take on a whole different meaning now. And I'm just like, oh, what? Right. Okay. Right. Well, yeah, it was you, crazy. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of murder. Mm. Yes. You know what I mean? You're kind of taking, it's, 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 it's like, it's, oh, imagine if I refet, reformatted the Mona Lisa to fit your <laughs> cell phone screen <laughs> and I sliced it up into thin little slices. Yeah. That's fucked up. That is fucked up. Focusing on only the eyes so we can see the, the lack of eyebrows and stuff like that. Right. Were you guys a fan <laughs> of watching R-rated movies on basic cable and they would swap out the words, the curse words for <laughs> other words? Were you a fan? What, did you prefer when they were swapped out or did you prefer when they were muted? Well, I saw so many when I was young that it was kind of part of the fun. I, but I guess if, I, if I'm, you know, in my teens and I'm watching those, it's like, okay, this is getting annoying. Yes. You know, it's, it's different with age. Yeah. When... Uh, when Joe Pesci is saying freak every time oh, freaking. in Goodfellas, it's like, freaking. Oh, yeah. it's the worst. get your freaking shine box. Doesn't really sound the same, does it? Not really. <laughs> no. I, I don't think uh, watching movies on cable is ever the preferred experience. No. I. You know what I mean? No. It just, it really kills the vibe. Ooh, there's a good question. Is there a movie that is has improved with a cable cut? The cable view? cut is oh the preferred cut. <laughs> I bet you Ridley Scott is like, yeah. The Blade Runner cut on cable, really the best cut. Actually, the cable cut is (laughs) how you... The cable cut of Blade Runner. Is how this movie ought to be seen. (laughs) (laughs) The the USA Network cut. You know, I watched The Good, Uh, The Bad, and The Ugly on cable. What? It was like four fucking hours. (laughs) Wow. With commercial breaks. Oh, God, no. It was... Awful guys. Oh, I love that movie, but no, uh, I mean the movie was great, but it was just so much of my day. Jesus, <laughs> I mean, you take that thing out of widescreen too. Like it's not sense. even. That's, the, a, 
That's a quarter of my waking day. Yeah. <laughs> Spend watching that movie. You know what I mean? Holy like, shit. 25% of my day. Oh, I can't even imagine. Wow. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, that's not even the same movie. No. 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 Yeah. I will say, I th- well, did I see, ooh, I was thinking I, I might have had a similar experience with 2001, and that's also almost just as Wow. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Was that in full screen? Four by three? Probably, yeah. Probably. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Man, we did, we really, we had no idea. Like now when I watch movies now, like I need perfect resolution. I need perfect size screen. I don't watch it on my phone. I don't watch it on my laptop. Like it yeah. needs to be perfect. And I'm, when I watch a movie I'm and it's blurry, I'm pissed off. I'm yes. Like, right. Every pixel needs to be accounted for. Like dead pixels on TVs are my biggest pet peeve in mm. life. Mm. Well, Nico, some some movies it's 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 tough to do that. Uh, for example, when we're talking about like Alejandro Hodorowski's Tusk, mm. you can't you can't see that one. Right? <laughs> what a segue, <laughs> guys! It's Hodorowski Hanuary. I wish I had a sound effect. I don't have one. Uh... Green people. <laughs> No, that's not. There were a lot of chickens in the movie. All right, there we go. (laughs) Okay, there you go. (laughs) Hodorowski Hanuary. Look at all those chickens. (laughs) How much longer can we do this bit? How many Hodorowski films are there? Like two more, right? I do think the Rainbow Thief. It might have some legs, just because it's another film that he disowned, which means it had an interesting production, and uh, it's probably a very strange movie. It's a Rainbow Thief, though, is like a pretty straight edge kind of adult drama right no it's supposed to be a kids movie but it has tits in it <laughs> so uh <laughs> so i don't know peter o'toole omar sharif and christopher lee star it's pretty good um, christopher lee yeah <laughs> absolutely Ow. oh my god oh, yeah, yeah it was in 1990 that's supposed to be a kids movie supposedly yeah it's like rated g or something it is not rated G. It's rated no, R. No, it's rated oh, it's R. Rated R. But oh. <laughs> I thought it was, someone told me it was rated G. We did, We can do that one, and we can do Tusk, and we can do Fondo and Liz, and that's it, right? We can't, we can't do Tusk. Right, we can't <laughs> do Tusk. I've, I've, I've taken the fall for that one. It's just like, <laughs> why can't we do it? Because you can't watch it properly. <laughs> yeah, it's it, not why? available anywhere, right? No, no. I, I saw, like, the only version available is, like, this bootlegged horrible VHS copy that's on YouTube and that's and that's like universal like even if you go to a different website that's all they're gonna have yeah so there are no good versions of of Tusk it's almost indiscernible <laughs> I'm sure we could find a restored DVD no. somewhere I'm sure it, it's on eBay somewhere oh, if we look God. hard enough maybe Alejandro has one I'm sure he does we'll reach out I'm sure him. he has the original negative <laughs> send us a couple yeah um, th- there's not many left though. Yeah. I mean, this was one of his final movies before he kind of went into, you know, exile, Hollywood exile, so to speak. Mm. Uh, I think Rainbow Thief was 1990 mm. and this was 1989 and he was not really heard from on, on a sort of mainstream level until Hodorowsky's Dune came out in 2012. So this yep. begins a, a, a really big, uh, this is the beginning of the end in some ways. Sure. Uh, this is a movie though, in its time that was, you know, not commercially successful, didn't have an American release, but was critically successful. Roger Ebert loved it. I know. I think it was voted one of the top 500 movies of all time by Empire Magazine. Wow. Made the top 500. 
Uh, Ebert described it as a uh, Jungian, surrealistic, Fellini-esque, Bunuelian, sadomasochistic, expressionist, and strongly flavored movie. Um, fla- or flavored by such horror classics as The Beast with Five Fingers, The Hands of Orlac, and the film that guides the hero's fantasies, The Invisible Man. He called it one of the great horror films of all time in his four-star review and added it to his collection of great, of great movies. Okay. That's high praise. High praise. What'd y'all think of this movie? Ooh. Santa Sangre. That's what we're talking about. This movie did something to me. Um, that <laughs> hasn't really happened before. I had to watch it again because I finished the movie and went, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I could not repeat to you anything about this film. Wow. wow. So I had to watch, I had to read the Wikipedia and then watch it again. Wow. Wow, man. It's a vibe, man. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. It's a vibe, man. <laughs> but I'll I'll tell you what, dude. Uh that Hodorowski, even including Tusk, I don't think he's missed. <laughs> <laughs> the man doesn't miss. It's not missed once for me. <laughs> I, I kind of love all of his movies. <laughs> base hit right down the middle every fucking time, dude. Holy shit. The guy gets on base. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I don't think it's one of my favorites of his. I, I like the autobiographical late period movies a lot. I think we talked about that last year. There's a lot of him in this, though. A lot of like a There's lot, a of, lot of those movies in this. Yeah, I know. It's a lot. Like mm-hmm. I saw a lot of what will come with Dance of Reality specifically. too. Yes. So yes. that was interesting. To I watch. mean, all the carny trash stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> his origin story is kind of, you know, in the way that like E.T. is implicitly steven spielberg's autobiography mm-hmm. you know the fablemans becomes his explicit one and that yeah. was the case with dance reality and, yeah. and endless poetry mm-hmm. you know this one is kind of there's stuff in there but ultimately his origin story is uh it, it has the the uh, facade of a genre film yeah yeah it takes that abstract approach and with something a little more you know specific to movies like you said with the genre with a very weird horror movie but I would agree with uh, Roger Ebert though this is the most horror that he I think he's ever done most explicit I mean I'm not even sure I can call it an explicit horror but it does you know fit I mean this in many ways reminded me a lot of like the the peeping toms of the world you know it's got it's it's you know I guess you call it a psychological horror of a guy who's slashing up women there's so much Dario Argento in here yeah well it's his brother produced yep. it yeah I know yeah I know. yeah Claudio Argento is really only known as a producer of his brother's movies mm-hmm. and I think is is thought of as instrumental in the whole development of you know the giallo genre and and his brother's career this isn't a giallo film but it, no but it but there are oh it's Close. <laughs> yeah. No. I, there's elements of it. No. 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 There's certainly elements. It's. It's not like Deep Red or Suspiria or anything like that. But it's. But it does have some. Uh, a couple. Um. Operatic flair, shall we say, that are ver- that are present in those movies as well. Yes. Yeah. I think the killing also is yeah. very yeah. Very. 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 Well, just all of the knife throwing, even when it's not. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, the most jalo thing t- to me w- was the um, the killing of the tattoo woman. It's yes. just it's so it, if I didn't know any better, if I just stumble on that clip, I would have assumed Dario Argento directed it. Right. Yeah. It's also one of those scenes where it's like there's more blood in it than the human body is mm. capable yeah. of, <laughs> of of having. It's kind of like you know in the Kill Bill movies where yeah, 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 Tarantino yeah. chops arms off and blood just starts spewing out like it's a water fountain, and that was the case here. Like the yeah. violence. It's artistic, but that kind of makes it more disturbing. Sure. Kind of like we talked about with um, Holy Mountain 
Yeah, and El Topo true. as well. Yeah. There's the blood that's not the right color, and mm-hmm. somehow the fact that it's not red makes it more disturbing. <laughs> yep. yep. You know that that's I think kind of the thing about Jalo is that it's hyper real, mm-hmm. but there's more horror in the uncanny. Exactly. I've said that. I you know I I'm. I've said that a lot, particularly with the color of the blood. Like, even if it's if it's red, make it a little not red, and it'll it'll really get under your skin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, this is like a, I guess sort of a weird aside, but when I was watching this, I was thinking like that I, I understood Malignant better. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm like now I'm like okay, so Malignant <clears throat> was inspired by this movie mixed with Paranormal Activity. Okay, like that's what made Malignant what it is. I see, I see. You got to watch you know some I mean? of those Argentos, dude. Oh my god, those he, fucking. Movies. He's got to watch some of those. Yeah, should I we do a Jalo month? Oh my god, I'd love to talk. Could have been Jaloary, you know. Yeah. I'm one of those crazy people that prefers Deep Red to Suspiria, as much as I love Suspiria. I don't think that's an uncommon take. Really? Yeah. Yeah, people love Deep Red. Deep Red is the shit. July. 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 Oh. July. 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 Or June. That's just. Known in America as June. Uh, I'll put it on the calendar. Jalo July. Okay. okay, I like that. But we need to wait a minute. Let's settle this once and for all. It's Jalai. Jalai. It's not Jalo July. <laughs> Let's be clear about one thing, Nick. Okay. Jalo. All right. Well, I'm adding it to the calendar. <laughs> and it's we gotta get these names down, guys. Good. Jalai. Uh, yeah. I I didn't like it as much as the other Hodorowski movies, just because like the 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 sort of surrealism and like I'm on acid feeling of El Topo and Holy Mountain I don't think is quite replicated here. No, and I I I wouldn't say it's my favorite either. But isn't it weird how like a movie where the main character is going through like severe psychological hallucinations feels the most grounded? Yeah, of yeah. his films. It's true. It's it does true. feel really grounded, and it yes, you're hundred percent right. It feels actually very personal, and and that's because I think he's playing within the tropes of the genre in a way that he doesn't with his other movies Maybe. i guess el topo, el topo is, a, is, is, a, is a western yeah yeah okay i guess that's that's a lie then but but those are i, I would say good comparisons because I, I when we talked about el topo it is as not accessible as that movie is it's at the time I, I said it was probably the more accessible of his films because it plays so deeply into western tropes and right. and, and not really cliches but like western like archetypes and whatnot right um and this one similarly yeah it does play into a lot of like psychological horror giallo slasher and things like that and it's not as disconnected from reality as i thought it was going to be and mm-hmm. that was really the big surprise um very in, I, I always kind of like it when directors do this i'm always a big fan of directors like just kind of playing it straight to see if they know their shit yes so this was actually good for me in that way i it's not my favorite uh Hodorowsky either but um it was cool to see him kind of flex this muscle without losing any semblance of his identity at all yeah <laughs> So here's the story behind this. Um, so this guy, Roberto Leone, w- was uh, friends with uh, Claudio Argento at the time. And he used to work in the library of a psychiatric hospital. So he had be- uh, been in contact with a lot of, uh, you know, mental patients and started developing this story about dissociative identity disorder. This is the specific anecdote. And I almost wish that this was in the movie because Mm -hmm. this fucking thing sent shivers down my spine. One of these patients who worked with me because he knew three or four languages so he can help me sort out the books 
because the library had 50,000 volumes. All right, enough fucking background info, dude. <laughs> uh, volumes of all types and ages. One day he started looking sideways and saying, shut up, shut up. The third time I asked him what happened, and he answered me calmly with his blue eyes. No, nothing. I had a voice that tells me to kill you, but don't worry because I love you. I was a little uncomfortable, but he reassured me. No, no, don't worry. I love you. I don't listen to it. Continuing to stare at me with his blue eyes, and I was, as far as I could be, calm. The library was very extensive because there were five very huge rooms for the 50,000 volumes, and it was him and me alone, isolated on a high floor of the immersive palace. (laughs) And I trusted. I trusted his blue eyes. I trusted him, his sincere way of telling me, I love you. So he got this idea of like, okay, what if there was a mental patient that couldn't control the urge to kill and him and Argento are developing the idea. I think they both took a pass at the script and they brought on who they thought was the perfect man for the job, Alejandro Hodorowski. Oh, wow. And said, what can you do with this? And he did a whole rewrite, helped develop the story, puts in, I think, all the personal autobiographical and surrealist stuff. I mean, there's a lot of Hodorowski in this movie, but I think you've sort of identified without even knowing it the charm of this movie. And I think the weird alchemy that makes it work is that it is a pretty straight down the middle psycho ripoff. Yeah. With a Hodorowski flair on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was so funny. I was thinking of uh, Sisters as well a lot while watching this. Better version of Sisters. Yes. In my opinion. I agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, so all the, you know, very obvious kind of anti is it anti-mother is that the word i'm looking for it's pretty explicitly i guess anti- i don't know if it's anti-mother it's it's a freudian it, kind it, it, of <laughs> thing but, but again that's that's another thing that c- carries over into dance of reality which it handles that a little more carefully i would say than this does but there's a heavy freudian element with that one yes uh and yeah i mean maybe because he doesn't interrogate you know, the abusive nature of his mom in that movie nearly as much as his dad. Oh, yeah. Whereas this one is more pointed at the mom. Right. <laughs> so so it's like maybe... Is he, that true? Uh, wait, I what, don't you, know. You mean in I the mean, Dance of like, Reality? No, in this. Oh, I... Eh. Well, I mean, the dad doesn't have that much screen time. I mean, he's yeah, a but bastard, I, I but... kind of feel like this... So, Okay. I feel like he is more afraid of becoming like his dad in this movie. In the scene where he's throwing the knives at the woman, doing the same thing his dad did to the woman that his dad cheated on his mother with, Mm. that's when his mother appears and is like, no. Mm -hmm. And I feel like his mother is sort of this ghost. Okay, remember the father also like, he, he paints the phoenix on his chest and he goes, now you're a man like he, me. He carves it into him. He does, yeah. Right. Yeah. He, car- yeah. he carves it into his chest and he goes, now you're a man like me. And the ghost of his mother is there, I think, trying to say you're not going to be the man like him. And also he goes out of his way to kill the woman who cheated on his dad. That sort of takes his mother's side. Well, I'm not saying that I think I, I don't think that he is defending his mother, or thinks his mother is a good person, but I think that she is a symbol of his trauma more than she is the villain. Well, I think it's also the classic trope. I get this goes all the way back to, you know, ancient mythology, but this yeah. idea that like the the father his abuse is physical and the mother's is mental. Yeah. Right. I, it's like yeah, sure, my dad carved a phoenix into me and, you know, scarred me for life and inflicted much physical torture and pain on me, but 
it's my mom that has control of my mind. That's what I was. It's my mom that can literally lift my hands against my will. It's critical of both parents. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I I mean, we, we can't forget Nick. He literally, you know access his mom's hands <laughs> yes <laughs> through through a great portion of the movie right her right, i think her also, manipulation is much not deeper. real right that's my point well, is that she's not real she is trauma she's well, yeah well that's the she she's I not think she's just a symbol i don't i don't think that this is really a movie where he's being critical of his mother as the cause as much as she is the symbol okay. of it I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah. I disagree. It's a small distinction, but <laughs> I, okay. I I disagree. No, I, 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 I think it kind of comes for her throat pretty hard. Yeah. I think this movie is like, don't call your mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty hardcore of like well, moms are evil. Of the, I didn't think of the character, uh, the the ghost of his mother, so much as the same woman. Even oh really? Do you okay. know what I mean? Like I thought of her like almost think like uh, Wizard of Oz, where you have like the neighbor, then you have the wicked oh. witch, right? Like. Huh. I didn't really think of her as actually his mother. It okay. was just like she was a symbol of this trauma that he went through, which is the whole events of the beginning. Yeah, but her vengefulness is I mean, this is another trope, I think, that that goes back like her vengefulness is seen as an equivalent evil to the evil that she sure. experienced. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a that's a like a clearly a male female kind of idea mm-hmm. right and that and that's become a trope that the woman scorned is capable as the same evil as the man that made her that way yeah. you know that's true yeah i get i guess i don't know are we meant to be sympathetic of her no that's that's my point yeah i, I never felt sympathetic sure. towards her what were, were, were you sympathetic towards her nick uh i mean well in, in the, the beginning, beginning of the movie to a degree but even then she's kind of lost it <laughs> that's it that's a character that you know it's it's to me and very critical of everything that she's doing in in the, the church par- yeah the yeah. part the part that really stands out um uh where of being critical of her is the the cult that she runs right. <laughs> yes you know like i don't want to gloss over that by any means right yeah the and cult it, <laughs> and it also makes sense that as a kid like like he would be disillusioned by her and want to go and hug her even though like she's clearly out of her mind and probably right. gonna get him killed <laughs> yes so Let's talk about that cult. You want to explain what that cult is? The cult is what the film is named after, ultimately, right? Yes. Santa Sangre. Right. Holy blood. Holy blood. Mm-hmm. And it's this. Uh, there's this story painted in little frames around this little church of theirs of a girl who, um, a, a little girl who was essentially had her arms cut off and was raped by her brothers and left to die in her, a pool of her own blood. And... I don't know how, but from there, they started calling her a saint, this little girl. And they have like a figurine of an armless girl in the front of the church and a pool filled with uh, water and red paint mixed together. Mm. And they call it holy blood. And um, all of the people there believe it is holy blood, even though you can tell it's not blood. Now, I don't know. One of the things that comes to mind, though, is did Hodorowsky want us to believe that it was actually blood, but the reason it didn't look like blood is because where are you gonna get a pool of blood? Or like like in the in the in the logic of this film, I don't know if it was actually blood or not. I assume it's not. Uh, oh, um, I see. That's that's what I'm trying to because like obviously when you look at it on the screen and the person goes in the pool of blood and comes out, mm-hmm. they're wearing white and they come out and it's pink and it's right. not like thick dark red. Right. Yeah, it's obviously not blood, but I don't know if in the in the logic of the film it's meant to actually be blood and it's the priest who comes in and says it's just paint 
No, I, I think this is. It's meant to yeah. be. It, yeah, it's. I think it's meant to be a sham. Yeah, I, think, I would think so, especially because yeah. she. He grew up in a circus, and the idea there's always the association of carny people with, uh, with scammers and. Right. I can't believe he, he fucking went back to the circus. I know he loves that circus. He went back to the circus. Well, I guess he didn't go back. This was his first time going to the circus. Well, that's. But true. he went back to it in his later movies. Yeah, from our perspective, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, he keeps coming back to that. Yeah, it's it's both, Nick. I think there's a there's a lot of evil that that takes place there, mm-hmm. and it's it's definitely seen in his movies as a source of trauma. But there's also an innocence. To the freaks and the outcasts, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence sure. that, you know, the the uh, the kids with Down syndrome, uh, along with our hero, whose name I'm blanking on now, Felix or Phoenix, uh, Phoenix, Phoenix. That's right. Spelled with an F with an F. Right. Um, but they, they go see Robinson Crusoe at the movies. You know, it's he, like he sees himself as this vagabond, this sort of innocent vagabond without a home, this outcast and freak. And it it's it's, uh, you know, all, all of his movies or about characters in motion on the run can't find a home yeah you know el topo is about a, a drifter uh holy mountain is about a journey to the top of this fucking mountain uh you know and his later movies obviously are about his life and the idea that his family was constantly moving around and you know his father went to prison and you know then it becomes about escaping his family <laughs> right but yeah exactly yeah. um so i think there's something about the idea of the circus first of all just being a show on wheels and you're always in motion and the, the idea of like the freaks that society has uh, cast out, you know, mm-hmm. and he literalizes that yeah. like that. Also, there's so many dwarves in this movie. Again. Yeah. You know, there's dwarves in all of his movies. I think there's probably less than in your average Horowski film uh, yeah. comes in under the over under there. But well, he's always featured um, dwarves and people who are missing limbs. Oh, yeah. And yes. he always represents these groups that these marginalized people in society who are right. kind of left in the gutters in a deeply loving way. Yes. They're the way always they, the good guys. Yes. Yes. They're always good. And these or are movies the with a lot of innocent. depravity. You I know. know? Mm-hmm. At the, yeah. It, good or innocent. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Usually both. Exactly. And there's a mute deaf woman in this uh, who was a mute deaf girl that Horowski knew. I guess I don't know if it's based on a real person, but that the child version of this character knew as a kid, mm-hmm. um, and she again is this this pure, uh, you know, this image of purity, who uh, you know is almost raped, <laughs> another classic trope. But Damn. yeah, a lot of that. It's <laughs> very simple, good and evil in his movies. You yeah. know what I mean? For and as complicated as the plots are, sometimes it's true. It, it he's always very clear eyed, and that's one of the things that Ebert said in his review too. It's like. And he kind of had to stick up his ass in 1990 about this, but he was talking about the sort of teenage slasher movies of the 80s, specifically oh, yeah. Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th I think. And, uh, you know, the idea that people go to horror movies to laugh now at violence. And he had a line in there that was so sanctimonious that was like, uh, if people, if society laughs at bad, they'll eventually laugh at good. And then you have, you know, we cease to, you know, be a moral society, essentially. <laughs> um, okay. I think it was being a bit dramatic. But uh, point being that Hodorowsky's movies, it's there. there is good and evil and it is clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also want to talk about with that little girl, especially. Um, I don't know why this has creeped up just randomly for me in the past couple of days. But this idea of the art form of, of being a clown. Like oh. literally the actual art form of being a clown or a mime or the, the idea of pantomiming and he trained like, to be a mime Horowski yes. when he was young. Yeah. 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 yeah and it's, did. it is a real art form. And I know a lot of people make like make fun of it or think it's stupid, but like it translates over to things like magic and comedy and acting, of frankly, course. this yes. idea of pantomiming 
Um, and there's a real uh, love and appreciation for that art form in this movie as well. Oh my god, they're yeah, like the heroes of the movie, <laughs> the spiritual heroes of the movie at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah, and just you know, I was watching some magic stuff recently and some stand-up comedy stuff recently, both of which included uh, references to that, and it just it's been creeping up. So it was already in my head. They're all kind of, like even the girl to some degree is 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 a little bit of a clown figure. That's not really what she represents, but visually there's a a, a, a relationship. Also to the fact well, that I, she doesn't yeah. speak at all. I mean, right. for obvious and she, reasons. Well, her face <laughs> is literally painted white. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, but when we say she's a clown figure, we don't mean it in like the make fun of her or what no, a clown. We mean right. it in like a very literal. Yes. Right. And for for someone like Hodorowsky, I think that saying she's a clown figure is actually saying like she is a figure of like artistic purity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. You, you take you take what's traumatic with you and you use it for something good and expressive. I mean, that's that's entirely what that. Um, well, not really, but but there, but um, Hodorowsky has a, has a tendency to channel his his trauma or his tragedies into something uh, a little more colorful. And I think about that scene in Endless Poetry where he goes out and he's a clown and he's saying, I want to kill myself. And, you know, my my oh, my right. dad's a drunk or whatever he says, you know, and the crowd's just loving it. And then he right. becomes a Jesus figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Axel Hodorowski, oh, yeah. his son plays uh, Phoenix here. To your point, his performance is very physical. It has to because mm-hmm. you know he is a psychopath under the spell of this you know ghost mother, and so he you know his limbs have to sort of move. It's it's kind of like the Bruce Campbell thing in Evil Dead, right? Yeah, like, his limbs have to take on a, a separate persona. From his own. <laughs> Those scenes are incredible, by the way. Yeah. And, and <laughs> so back to the, yeah, back to the fact that he is literally like selling out crowds, doing just acts that are just his hands moving in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there's several times mentioned of that kind of being like, it goes back to the clown thing. That like the art form of like physical movement is so appreciated in this. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Axel Horowski just died this year. Really? Oh, no. Oh, geez. September 15th, 2022. Oh, last year? Oh. Don't fucking pull that bullshit on me. <laughs> I thought you meant he just died. Don't I was like, Damn. pull that. It's January 8th, Nick. You're not allowed to do that. Oh, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Maybe around Valentine's Day you can start that bullshit. <laughs> don't give me that. Actually, it was fucking last year. <laughs> don't you? Don't even start with me, dude. We have just twelve saying, months worth of shows. Don't get on my bad side. This is I'm early just saying year. I am technically correct. Oh my god, that always confused someone. Did that to me the other day. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Fucking dick oh, up. I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I th- oh that's that's too bad. I thought uh, so. I mean. Hodorowski's trying to get a son of El Topo going. He's still trying to do it, and it might yeah. and it might happen. Yeah, but I thought I thought he was going to get Axel. I don't know. Yeah. I guess not. He, he was young, fifty something. Oh shit! All right, fifty. That's really uh, sad. Fifty-seven. Yeah, fifty-seven just died. Just get He's, Brontus. By the way, always great to see Brontus pop up. I love that guy. Yeah, I just love Brontus. Brontus is a legit good actor. He is. Yeah, I, I still. I haven't seen him in much past this, but yeah, I, I, I wanted to watch that new Fantastic Beast movie just yeah, to see in, him in it. Yeah, he's in those, right? <laughs> I, apparently that movie's not very good, but... Uh, yeah, I heard the last one. Well, they're not doing them anymore. Yeah, I know. They I'm, they canceled them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's crazy. Could you imagine, though, like... For Harry Potter? Yeah. Yeah. Like, could you imagine, like, if fucking Star Wars, like, after Last Jedi or whatever, they're like, 
no more Star Wars movies. That one didn't work. We're done. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a similar you know, it's thing. like they pivot and yeah, Harry Potter seems to be uh, shriveled up and dying on the vine. Well, it's Maybe they'll do po- a show. Well, it's because Harry Potter is not happening anymore. That's I don't think anyone were were that bananas about. Uh, yeah, Star Fantastic Wars piece. wasn't called Luke Skywalker. Yeah, the yeah. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> Nick, you just that's a cursed phrase you just said, though. <laughs> Harry Potter TV show. Oh, it'll happen. That is a cursed idea. Give it five years. No, no, please, no. It'll be on HBO Max. See, here's the thing, Nika. That's frustrating. It's it's just going to be like Hogwarts. That's what they're going to call it. We always go back and forth on this because I'm of the opinion that you don't make Dune into a television show, but I am of the opinion that you could make Harry Potter into a television show. I'm I'm done with IP television shows, <laughs> frankly. I'm, I'm completely and utterly done with it. That's I so loved funny. Andor. It's the one exception to the rule. For the most part, though, I just... No. It's tired, yeah. I'm, it's not where they belong. No. Make 100 sequels, and that's fine. And here, listen, you can't ask for more than two hours a year from me. I think that's where I'm at now. Like Star Wars, Harry Potter, Marvel, whatever, they have a lot of gall to ask for more than two hours a year. Mm. And if they're asking me to commit 10 hours a week or whatever to binge watch one of their, to binge watch fucking (laughs) She-Hulk, no thank you. I see. I'll see it in a movie theater. It's true. But then I get to go home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wish you liked any of them. I guess Mandalorian. Mandalorian, I like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's about it. I mean, like I said, I I don't like Boba Fett, and I sh- shrugged off Obi Wan. Um, yeah, I, I guess like not. as I, much as like Loki and Wandavision were okay, I could have lived without them. Hmm. Totally, I mean, totally, absolutely. And I think they are both pretty good. Yeah, that's Loki, cool. really we didn't, liked. we did not need it though. Either of them. I mean, well, especially since like Wandavision, they just they just yeah completely unraveled the whole plot in the Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah. Movie. Yeah, it's, it's like you just could have done that. Yeah, been done with it. <laughs> and Loki could have been a movie too. That's the other thing. Loki introduces their new Thanos. What's that guy's name? It does. Um, Basically, well, their yeah, new, their new big bad. Their which new is like big the bad. Guy, te- the guy who like rules the universe. Who or is the, yeah, he's in the new Ant Man trailer. He's like, yep. I have Hello, Ant Man. So I have to watch Loki to get. Yes. If I if I, by the way, I'm not gonna watch Ant Man and. Th- f- 15 or whatever it yeah. is. Uh, that, if you watch that what if, looks if you watch what if, oh he's also God. introduced in what if. You think I'm watching what if? No. I'm just telling you. He's you think also I'm watching an animated dude, version of this well, shit? Because the entire plot of what if, though, is all of these alternate universes, and he's essentially looking I, over all of them. That's I, kind of the idea. What's his involved. name? I don't remember. Fuck. Dude, I, I, I don't have the... the the capacity to understand. This is why our podcast is so unsuccessful. We yeah. don't know his fucking name. <laughs> we haven't Kang. done our research. Kang. Kang. What is it? Kang. 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 Like Avatar Kang. Kang. Oh, God. Kong. Kong. <laughs> Kong. Oh, yeah. That's the- Kang the Conqueror. Kang, Kang the Conqueror. <laughs> That's Speak, actually his name. Speaking of that's actually, meanwhile, his name. there's so many fucking podcasts that are making thousands of dollars a month just talking about Kang the Conqueror's introduction oh my God. to the MCU. I I I I can't understand how people are still I- interested in watching a what if a. Uh, <laughs> so they brought him in uh, in the was the final episode of Loki. Yeah, and Maybe now the they're devoting episode. a whole like what nine ten movies to him. That, it's going to culminate. the guy who God. oversees the multiverse and makes sure that events move in the right 
version. Yes. Oh my god, guys! It and I think he's like he's gonna start a war between the multiverses. Jesus, Christ. I think he wants to escape his job. Escape his desk job. <laughs> I think that's essentially. He's Escape. just like I'm lonely. I've been working so retail. I'm gonna for... <laughs> break the entire universe so I can yeah, go on vacation. I forget. He explained it all in a monologue at the end of Loki. I don't really remember what he said. It needs to die. Why can't so we they introduce? So you have to watch every episode of that show just to get to the finale to see his introduction to the whole franchise. And now he's gonna be the main villain of the Ant Man movie and evidently the main villain of the. Upcoming. You know what's keeping Marvel alive? The fact that DC is still going. DC is pathetic, though. It is it's, pathetic. It is utterly pathetic. <laughs> they got rid of it's, Henry Cavill. They got they rid of everything. Ezra Miller. They, they got they rid of everything. Ezra Miller, but they're keeping <laughs> they're, Ezra no, they're, Miller. No, they are not. Yes, yes they are. They're not bringing it. him on to Get another the fuck movie. Out of here, dude. Get <laughs> dude, the they got rid of fucking here. Gal Gadot. <laughs> She's done. She's done. According to a news report from Variety, some executives are amenable to continuing with Ezra Miller. Oh my god. Wow. Because he stayed out of trouble since his mental health treatment this past <laughs> summer. Good behavior. James Gunn says no though. Good. James Gunn, by the way, a total savage with these movies. I mean he's just been He's kill- pulling an Elon. He's just killing things. He's doing the same thing. Right. He's just it's unbelievable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan. Big fan of every movie he's made so far. So but I'm just, but I am just saying there it sounds like there's Potential talks to keep Ezra Miller, but not Henry Cavill, like because that makes sense. Oh man! Also, I'll never understand the financing, the, like the financial decisions that went into that Batgirl decision. I don't. That care. just I don't understand how you can sink a hundred million dollars into a movie and just say no. and leave it unfinished, and somehow that's smart. <sighs> like, why not just finish it and give it a theatrical run? Why do you have to put it on HBO Max? You know, like if that's it, what they're worried about. I get, they're so sure it's gonna flop. Is that well? Yeah, like was it that? Was yeah, it okay. that bad? There's no fucking way though. You see the first cut of like the suicide or the original Suicide That's Squad. That's the thing. Yeah, you look. You at know some what of I mean? It'd be like, ah. like, is it really that bad? You put that thing out and it made <laughs> half re- a billion dollars. They released New Mutants for Christ's sake. <laughs> Isn't it better to make some of the money back than try? Evidently, like, what about merchandise? The you know? tax write-off that they get from. Shutting down production was more fi- was a more financially sound decision. Oh my god! Really? You got a tax write off for doing that? Yes, you get a tax write off because the movie never comes out. So why do you get a tax write off? I don't understand. I don't know. It's a sunk cost. I don't fucking know. James- I don't know how the money works, but that's what they said. That's what the reports were. James Gunn. Can I do that if I like fucking start a business and I just like buy a <laughs> bunch of shit and then decide not to do the business? I get. To- it's just a tax write off. <laughs> yeah, what if you spend <laughs> thousands of dollars making a podcast that never gets released? Right. <laughs> I buy all this equipment. dollars podcast never got released. Sorry. It's my tax write off. Like, what the fuck? It's a travel no, podcast, you... in fact. It's a podcast that I could only it's... do in Hawaii. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> why, why, do, why do these big corporations? In fact, get you know, away with I think I have shit. to go to Bora Bora for the next episode. <laughs> That's such Too bad no one will ever hear this. God damn. <laughs> They're such idiots. That wasn't James Gunn that made that decision. No, that was no, a no. that was a discovery thing when Discovery merged with them. The the, the okay. Discovery oh. CEO, okay, just started bringing down the axe like a fucking moron. Yeah, and that's why like a lot of the old HBO shows are not on HBO Max anymore. A lot of the original movies that they did, like you know that movie An American Pickle that Seth Rogen did. Yeah, that's not available there. No. Yeah, and it's not like there were any DVDs printed because that was only a streaming release so uh, uh, like there is a legit concern 
that a lot of creators worked on these shows that will never get a physical release and there will never be a a record of them in the public. That's nuts. Like 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 in the fucking thirties when they were like right when they were copying over film, copying over film stock. Yeah, right. Exactly. And now they're uh, now we're just oh, gonna boy. lose we're gonna lose films digitally. Yeah, you'd like air a sitcom live in the fifties and and just that was it. There was just never a copy of it. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's it's uh it's fucked. This streaming thing, what lost Nick? Okay, lost. What do you him. mean? Oh, there he is. He's back. I just stopped talking at him. <laughs> Bullshit! You didn't lose me. I just stopped talking. Bullshit! What I thought do you I heard mean? you. I thought I heard you talking. <laughs> I could have sworn. I think I handed my sentence. Is what happened. <laughs> no, like I heard your voice like cut out. Uh. I don't know. Maybe it cut for a second. <laughs> no, I heard the voice just like stop. You stopped mid sentence. <laughs> Adam, sentence structure in the English language is uh, is a thing they often teach children. Oh yeah, you'll put words together and they'll have to they'll have to be a a, a participle. <laughs> oh come on! And uh, <laughs> was a, it a verb and a noun? I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> a dangling participle. <laughs> I think I could explain nuclear fission better than I could explain <laughs> sentence structure. Oh but generally, Lord. sentences end when a thought is done and there's a period and then the person stops talking. But the talking. thought had not concluded. It just oh. stopped. It, it, I, well, you're under the impression I have thoughts at all. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> that a, what, are yeah, we, what are we doing here? His thoughts are completed. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this podcast. We're on episode 350. Nick, it, Welcome aboard. No, it's like, it sounded like Nick crashed. That's what it was. It's just the, the computer I stopped working. I might have ended working. my sentence with but dot 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 and then had nothing else to say. That might have been, you know, one of those classic Nick-isms. Oh, my well, God. What were we talking about with this movie? Yeah, uh, run through the plot real quick. I mean, I don't know. Like most Hodorowsky movies, I don't think, like, it's more about the images. Yeah. It's more about the vibe, you know? Yeah. Not. I mean, describing the plot, you can do it. It's just not It's real. probably his most easily described plot. Yeah, I would say so. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's released from his asylum, essentially, or escapes from his asylum, depending on how you want to view it. And um, he... It seems like he's going out and like <gasps> trying to find love and that ends up killing everybody he loves at the behest of his mother in his head. Mm. Right. And he uh, begins to live with his mother and act as her arms. I think those are my favorite moments yeah. where he's like sitting in a chair and his mother's sitting like on his lap essentially. And he puts his arms through her sleeves and he has long red painted fingernails and he's like sewing for her and she's look at her the actress she's looking at the sewing as if she's the one doing it and it's just really really good it's incredible good shit both of their performances are incredible in that movie that's hard to do (laughs) yeah like even just the simple act of bringing a teacup to somebody's 
phase. Mm. I thought about it's so funny. I thought about this. Oh, uh, who's the, line? The who, yeah, the who's line yeah. helping yeah. hands game where the uh, Ryan Styles will be in the front and Colin Mockery oh. will be in the back <laughs> and will act as his uh. hands. And, and like the whole gimmick there is they're just eating food. Like he just he's feeding food to to Ryan and it hits him in the face. <laughs> That's exactly 100%. what I thought of. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And it's obviously very goofy, um, and it's funny because it's so hard to do. And and here they they pull it off seamlessly. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, um. But in the end, he is. Um, he meets with the the little girl, the mutant deaf girl from the beginning of the film. Grown up now, they're both adults. And his mother, again, acting as him, is trying to say, kill her, kill her with the knife. Did you explain and what happened, though, to the mother when he was a child? Oh, God. Yeah, we didn't get we, to we have to describe this scene. Oh, oh sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um. So the mother uh, sees his father cheating on her with another one of the women in the in the circus. And she interrupts them and pours, like, acid all over his dick. Sure does. And, um... And he takes her and he puts her up on where uh, the thing where you'd strap somebody to throw knives at them. Yep. And he cuts her arms off, just like the saint of her cult. Right. In one fell swoop, by the way. In one fell swoop. And then he goes outside, butt naked, (laughs) bleeding out the dick, and slits his own throat and dies. Right. Couple questions. Uh Knife throwing, where do you stand on it? Ooh. Uh, in terms of what do you mean? Like as Am I a pro knife throwing or? as an entertainment product? Uh, it probably stresses you out a little too much, Nico. I can't watch it. Yeah, I don't like. I, I'm it watching be- a fictional movie. I can't watch it. Mm. I I think I don't like it probably for the same reason that I don't like something like NASCAR, which is like I'm not watching it for what it is. I'm watching it. I'm not watching it for the skill. I'm watching it for the wreck. For the crash. Oh, <laughs> right. what? um, I would. Do you know I, what I mean? I'd lose my mind if I saw someone actually get stuck by a knife. Yeah. Oh my. The, oh my that's god. The thing too. It's also <laughs> knife throwing is a little bit. Um. It's a little bit uh less classy even than NASCAR because they know you're watching it. Right. For the wreck. Whereas, like, at least there are some people who watch NASCAR who legitimately are like interested in the car racing. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there's I like don't a, think there's anybody watching knife throwing going, "Wow, look at his handling of that knife." Yeah, it's much. Like, it's definitely much sleazier and perverse in a very disturbing way. It's that whole trope of like, uh, there's something seductive about it, right? Yeah. There's a, the sadomasochistic. <laughs> there's something very alluring and appealing. And again, he literalizes it here with the yeah. the first lady. The first, right. well, more specifically, the first lady. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Do you find it alluring? <laughs> she certainly did. Uh, yeah, she did. <laughs> Especially when the knife was uh, between her legs. She really, I don't know, man. I don't get these kinky people, dude. Does the trick. Yeah. I don't get no. it. <laughs> no. Nico, don't get I, can't, it. I can't wait for the girl that says, oh, Nico, just stand against the wall over there before you take your clothes off. And she just whips out knives. <laughs> Nico, I'm gonna wait, wait, I'm, I'm gonna get you a dominatrix. Oh God, Adam probably knows like six. I know, too. I know a few. There's all on his phone. I know a guy. Speed dial. I know a guy. I know a guy. Right. Yeah, that's right. Anyway. Nico's like, nope, nope. It's 2023. I don't think there's a less kinky person on the planet than me. I don't think there. I don't think it's possible. 
I don't think like Mother Teresa was probably more kinky than I am. I, actually, I just don't understand any of it. You're joking, but I think I actually agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, nothing wrong. Man and a woman love each other very much. You know, <laughs> one position. Missionary. <laughs> That's it. What else with do you the, need? With the blanket between you. <laughs> And you go into your separate beds afterwards. <laughs> like I love like Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. Nico, why don't you come into my bed tonight? Uh, <laughs> nope. That's, I'm saving a space for the Lord. Right next to you. It's only a twin bed. Don't think all three of us could oh fit. Oh my god. Oh. Uh, anyway. Jesus um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Well, yeah, back to the plot. So, so back to the ending of the movie, though. I would say from that for now. Um, again, the the mother trying to get him to kill the little girl who's now a full grown girl, and uh, he is again acting as her arms. She's in front of him, and he goes to, with the knife in hand, ready to stab her, and instead stabs it into himself or herself. The mother, she dies, mm-hmm. and he says, "Like, get out of my head," essentially, and she's like, "I will always be with you." And uh, it's kind of revealed at this point that, like, everything we've been seeing is not exactly what it was. Like, the building is actually... Including the dwarf, I guess, right? Yeah. 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 These people were not actually there, most of them. Uh, It's like the building was much more dilapidated. Comes out, there are police. They're saying, hands up. And he puts his hands up. And then he looks up and sees that he puts his hand up. Yeah. And realizes he's in control again. I love this ending. And uh, he's just happy. And the yeah. movie ends with him happy while there are police holding guns to him for murder. And murder charges. <laughs> That's a win in his book, in his life. Right. You know, this ain't so bad. <laughs> yeah. I so. Love it. Yeah, it's a great idea. It's it's also, I, I love when a movie like this, specifically a, a horror movie, kind of like at the end of Get Out, when the cop car shows up, it kind of like breaks the spell. And it like snaps you back into, oh, wait a minute, like you're in a world with consequences, with like real life consequences. And that's what the ending of this movie does, right? It breaks the spell by, you know, bringing cop cars with the, you know, red and blue lights that you recognize as, you know, of this world, of this planet. It was surprising when I saw it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's. Oh, they're actually doing this. Yeah. It was a very like realistic mm -hmm. sort of stroke for Hodorowski. Yeah. It was like, this isn't, this is almost a different movie in a good way, though. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For that reason. Yeah. A uh, lot of great visuals in this movie. Love the shit in the graveyard where the oh, uh, weird, yeah, where the zombies, the corpses of the women that he's murdered, have come rise from the grave uh, and haunt him. It, that reminds me too one a, a a point that I haven't I I don't know if I praised it in the other movies, but um maybe I just I've forgotten about it. But I thought the music in this movie was great. Yes, it's really ethereal and sometimes haunting, but really beautiful. Yeah, I especially in that graveyard scene, and it was like a I don't know he he had graduated to a to a, a usage of non diegetic music because usually he has like people singing in the backgrounds or something. And like there's that. a lot of that. There's a lot. There's of mariachi that. bands. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but th- this was uh, while his father was dying in the street naked. There's like a band just playing like yeah, Adios. <laughs> something. Yeah. It's the only one I understood. But, <laughs> uh, oh my god, I don't speak Spanish. I mean, I'm Por sorry. favor. 
C. La leche. <laughs> e agua. Goodbye. No, Goodbye, please, milk water. <laughs> that's, that's a great song, Nico. Uno, dos, tres. <laughs> no, but gato. <laughs> Guys, let's go back and forth naming as many Spanish words as we can. <laughs> uh, La playa. Pero. Boca. Pollo. Hermano. <laughs> I was hoping you'd do it. Hermana. I'm out. Okay. Uh, Pantalones. <laughs> and fuegos. <laughs> <laughs> no me gusta. Uh, did you take Spanish in high school? Yeah, I did. Puto de madre. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Whoa. It's applicable to the film. Speaking of which, Concha, which is the mother's His name, mother. is a Mexican slang for vagina. I knew that. I was like, mm, that word is. I it's, did not know that. It's triggering me. Why is it triggering me? <laughs> That's why. Yep. So there's the whole menstrual blood so, thing. Yeah. Being that this was a partly Italian, partly Mexican film, did you feel the the drawback to our homeland, Nico? Mm, good question. <laughs> this, is this what Italy feels like? Uh, I can't can't say I've been, so I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> it kind of felt. I kind of felt at home. In some scenes. At your heart, Nico, you've been to this place many times. You've gone to the circus. <laughs> yeah, I've lived it. <laughs> I had to get out to Italy. Yeah, like, we did. gotta go, dude. We gotta find our roots. I've been gotta. to Italy, guys. Yeah, that, 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 that should make stand, you know? That should make you very upset. That aggression <laughs> You don't eat any pasta, stand. you fuck. I didn't eat any pasta. I was in Florence, and I didn't eat pasta. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is... I mean... That's strength, you know? <laughs> I was a regular Hannibal Lecter yeah. over there. <laughs> Talk about resolve, dude. That's crazy. Were you like walking down those streets where all like the nonas are just making pasta on the fucking side of the street? They they came right, right up to me and offered me their pasta. I'm like, get out of the way. And I just pushed the old ladies aside. Wow. Walking. Yeah. It was rough. <laughs> you pushed a nona? I, I kicked, a, kicked a nona down the road, you know? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm an American. Get the fuck out of the way. Yeah, we're going to get out there. Uh, I have a little piece of IMDb trivia. So there's a... Oh, God, we didn't talk about the fucking elephant, dude. Oh, the elephant. We didn't talk about the elephant in the room, Nick. The scene is insane. It's the elephant in the room. <laughs> that is the craziest yeah. shit. That's one of the... <laughs> Why haven't we talked about this? Okay. He, like, teaches an elephant. Hodorowski must have taught this elephant to, like, spit, like, blood out of its trunk well i think they loaded him with blood I, I would think yeah you put a tube behind its trunk i would say that's what i would have done yeah yeah you think they put a tube behind i don't the think trunk? that's the elephant's actual blood no 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 no. yeah no i don't think it's the elephant's actual blood but i think that they you think i think that they i don't but i also don't think they forcibly shoved it up there i think they taught the elephant how to do it is what oh I'm you saying. think you so you think he went over to like a, a pool but like sucked up some yeah. blood and then just spat it yeah out like a bucket yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. possible yeah, no i no i didn't i hope they don't Shove shit up their <laughs> trunk against their will. That's like waterboarding. Just well, if, well, if it's anything like old Topo, for all we know, they fucking killed the elephant. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. So the really elephant, uh, yeah, is dying. It's a really disturbing image. Might be I the know. most disturbing image in the movie. It is, yeah, it is. Uh, an elephant's bleeding uh, trunk, and they end up holding a funeral for the elephant. 
which is both simultaneously really touching and really hilarious. Yes. Oh, it is <laughs> That's insanely funny. It is. And when they dump it into the gorge. Yes. I, I was. <laughs> they like hold a Dude. parade almost, right? Like. Yes. There's a procession. There's a whole funeral procession. Yeah. Dude, I, I, <laughs> I'm just trying to like picture myself in that moment of something like that happening for real. And God, it'd be the most insane thing I'd ever witnessed. Well, the. The giant coffin is what it, pushes uh, it over the edge. It's just so funny. It's an elephant in a giant coffin. Oh my it's God. like having a funeral for an ant and putting him in a matchbox, like, you know? No, but that's that's funny. Big things and little things are funny. It's, yeah, that's hilarious enough as it is, but it's not the fact that they just bury a big hole. They're just like, all right, put it on a fucking dump truck. In a landfill. <laughs> and just th- they throw it over a gorge, and then it hits the ground. <laughs> my, my cousin and I actually did have goldfish when we were younger, and they did die, and we did bury them. In like, we we actually got like little boxes, and we buried our goldfish in the in the. We yard. didn't put them in a box, but we did bury our goldfish. Absolutely, yeah. We did not give him a toilet funeral. You know, we gave him a funeral fit for a king. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of goldfish as a kid. I had like, I only had one, and I had when it one died, I went forever. never again. I had one that lived for like four years. Wow. And you sure your parents didn't just keep buying new ones and drop them in every? Yeah, that's what I. I don't know. I don't think so. It's possible, but this thing—he didn't even like live in a fucking like filtered tank or anything. He was just like in a bowl, like it was oh. literally it was literally a, a old school goldfish as what you think of like in the old cartoons bowl, like what Timmy Turner's godparents lived in, with uh, with fucking stones on the bottom, and we just kept feeding him flakes every day, wow. and that fucking thing lived forever. Uh, and yeah, that was a traumatic experience when he finally passed. Damn. And and we buried him in the backyard, said a prayer, did a whole thing, 21-gun salute, you know what I mean? Does he have a little <laughs> headstone? Uh, no. When we lost Curry the Hamster, who I think you remember, I right? I do. I was here for Curry the Hamster for a while. Yeah, we gave him a we gave him a, a proper burial. We, we put a cross on his grave and uh, played taps, you know? Oh, my God. Is he in the backyard? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 oh man! Oh. My sister was very upset, but like my brother and I were having too much fun with the funeral. <laughs> you, were, you were toasting to the death of I Curry. Mean, I mean, like That's so sad. <laughs> Curry was a little shit, dude. Let's I, be honest. Curry was. I mean, he was a good guy and everything, but like I don't know. Good guy. <laughs> He's a hamster. <laughs> <laughs> you little shit He'd be running he on his wheel art, but. <laughs> He's fucking up my audio equipment. Yeah exactly during the podcast He'd be running around on the wheel It's not like he was chewing up cables Over here Curry loves to run uh, uh, You know, you know something run. hot take I miss Curry I miss that little bastard <laughs> That reminds me We should get A podcast mascot it seems pretty <laughs> unnecessary. It's not. Well, Guys, can I say, I should say, oh, do I even want to say this now? It should be Zach's kid. Fuck. Oh, well, good point. <laughs> I'm going to say it. Okay. Last Uh-oh. year when you were here, Nick, for the gift swap, I almost got you each goldfish. <gasps> that would be so fucked up. I was going to fucking do it. Oh I was God. gonna do it, and then Zach showed up, and I'm like, "All right, Zach will be the president instead." 
But my idea is I was gonna I was gonna have like boxes on the table, and inside we're gonna be a goldfish in a cup. Oh, that my is actually God. cruel. And I was gonna gift you each a goldfish, dude. I came so close that to is doing it. Cruel. <laughs> that is. And I was thinking about saving the idea for one day. Maybe I'll do it. But no, you're not going to get it. I don't look to you in the face and be like, this is the worst thing anybody's ever done for me. <laughs> you can't get somebody you a pet. You can't do that. <laughs> I almost, you're I almost telling me the whole thing. Nico, I have to take care of this. <laughs> get somebody a parakeet. I almost gave you the gift of responsibility. Oh, my. It would have been the best bit. Dude, oh, my God. That would have been so speechless. <laughs> You'd be canceled. <laughs> I would have. I would have been like. You would have had to driven home with the goldfish. I would have been like, hold on a second. Then I go. I would not have. I probably would have given it to. My, I probably would have given it to my sister. Uh, I would have been like, okay, hold on up one second. Then I go upstairs and then you hear the toilet flush. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked. Yeah, oh, he ran outside. He got away from me. Oh, oh he got yeah. He ran away. He ran away. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just ran away. <laughs> in the back. <laughs> ran away while you were in summer camp. He's a fish. It's like the end of Finding Nemo. He's going to the ocean. Oh, man. Anyway. Uh, anything else about Santa's sound great? Oh, no, wait a minute. I, I forgot the fun fact I had. Oh, yeah. So the elephant. So the elephant yeah. funeral. So there's a line in the movie that's like, the elephant is dying, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. That line... Is the opening line of a song from the early 90s called What's Up With You? And the song is performed by Eddie Murphy and Michael Jackson. Whoa. It is an artifact of the early 90s. There's a music video for it. I kind of want to pull it up and play it on the show right now. They use like a clip from this. They use the clip, yes. Why don't you uh, why don't you out us? Out, out today's podcast on that song. Okay, but I I kind of want to do commentary on the music video though because it's like the most dated oh, I thing I've ever seen. Uh, wow. Let me pull it up real quick here. Oh, sweet. What's up with you? By the way, like Eddie Murphy, low key. Yeah. Kind of like a big pop star. He is. <laughs> like recently, <laughs> Eddie Murphy in 1985 put out a song called. Uh, party all the time or my girl likes to party all the time maybe you've heard it. it's my girl likes to party all the time party all the time i have actually right yeah. that's an eddie murphy song it, is. it became a number one hit immediately like it was a huge song in 1985 wow. huh. so in in the middle of one of the great box office runs in the history of american movies eddie murphy just put out like a a fucking hit he really was song. a man on top wow. of the world, and he just went away quietly. Yes. It's so bizarre. Yeah, now he's doing a movie with, like, Jonah Hill on Netflix. I heard about that, yeah. I'm glad he's coming back. There's some movie news we, we I would love to discuss, by the way. Hit me. New movie. I mean, no, we, we, I, I mean, I think we all know about it, but, I mean, just the fact that, like, uh, I think the new James Bond is sealed, that's insane to me. Oh, yeah. Not what I would have thought. ATJ. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very willing to give it a chance. Me too. They're going for like a younger Bond now, right? That's the idea. Who gets the ATJ nickname? Is it Anya Taylor-Joy or is it Aaron Taylor-Johnson? ATJ. Who has the rights now? Because he's James Bond. That's the thing. I think it'll depend. Well, she's going to be Furiosa. So it depends on. (laughs) That's, I guess, true. Obviously, I think think Anya. Well, it depends on how good. uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson is as it Bond. doesn't matter how good he is. He's locked up as Bond for the next six years while she's going to be doing 
300 tremendous roles in various performances. Like, yeah, she's great. She's great in everything. She's great, yeah. He, I like him, but he's not even on her level. I thought she was a little so-so in the menu, though. Yeah, I, I think they that. didn't use her in the menu, is my understanding. I didn't see yes. it. She's fine in the menu. Yes. Aaron Taylor-Johnson. <laughs> uh, I love Kick-Ass. Nick introduced me to Kick-Ass when it came out. I love, no, uh, um, what's the name of the movie? Nowhere Boy? Never seen it. He's great. He plays John Lennon. He's excellent in that. Yeah. He's not a bad actor. No, he's not. He's I, really not. I kind of disagree. He, okay, maybe he's not. A, he's not a bad actor, but I don't think he's a very good movie star. I would agree with that too. Yes. Yeah, but I also I haven't seen him in a few years. Every, and the recent photos I've seen of him, I could see how you could mold that into a Bond with the right people working on him. You know, I could see how this guy could be. Uh, well, in the role. First of all, he's he. he He's got to stop trying to play American characters because every time he plays a British character, he's great. Mm. He's real. He's really good at Nowhere Boy, and he's is he British? Yes, yes. And he's fucking okay. crushing it in Bullet Train, which is not a great movie, but he is very good in I that. Just see that he is really good in that movie. <laughs> I think is he a villain in that movie? No. Okay. Because I feel like he he'd actually be a better Bond villain than he would be a James Bond. <laughs> he could be a good Bond villain. That's kind of my take. Yeah. I think he's fun in Nocturnal Animals. I think he's really good in Tenet, actually. Yeah, I think I, that might be his be- his best performance the last couple years. Playing another British guy in that too. Yeah. I think the problem is though yeah. in the blockbusters, in the action blockbusters like Godzilla and the Avengers movies. Or it's only the one Avengers movie, but yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I just I just don't think he works as the man behind the gun. I just don't think he has the fucking charisma. I don't think he has the jawline. I don't think he. Fucking we haven't has seen it, it though. Yeah, he's not really. I haven't you know what seen I mean? it. I don't know. I don't know. If they did. The, they did the rehearsals, right? Yeah, they. They. Yeah, they, they did I the think casting. They, I think they shot the the gun footage. Yeah, right. Supposedly, they have so clearly, room. clearly, people who are not interested in fucking up Bond looked at it and they decided it was a good fit. I it's mean, one woman, Barbara Broccoli, whose family owns the rights to this story and has owned it for years. Like her you think whole, she's the only one deciding, though. It, I, yes, I, that uh, evidently that is the case. Yes, that people uh, can give their input or whatever, but at the end of the day, it is her call because she has the rights to the character. So no movie gets made unless she gives the green light. And I think it just comes down to who she has the hots for the most. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's all it is. <laughs> so uh, Daniel Craig, though, too, you could have said a similar thing about him because, like, he was like fucking nobody essentially. Most people did say that about him too. That was the right. narrative for a while. And, and, and by the way, Daniel Craig. If you watch something like Road to Perdition, it w- similarly, I think, really worked in the sort of character actor, uh, offbeat, off kilter kind of roles where like the guy can snap at any moment. Like that was kind of his superpower early in his career and became during Bond kind of a more straight edged action star. Well, but funny but enough, I, though, now I would say he's kind of gone back to sort of the weird sort of off the wall characters that are known for their weird nuance. Well, oh, well, right now he's doing straight comedy. Yeah, well, that's that, that's what that's what the, the revelation with him is is that he can actually deliver a joke. He can't, yeah, you know, which is I think for scene what was in Logan Lucky. Yes, he's so good in that. He's great in that, and yeah. the Knives Out movies, he's excellent. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I I don't know. I mean, listen, I have to see it. I I'll be happy to be wrong. I guess I think there are so many more interesting choices that you could make, though. There, are. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I agree. With um, that. I think it's a pretty safe, pretty boring. Well, not even safe choice, but just a pretty boring choice. Agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I, I don't really think it's going to be a disaster. 
No, especially when you look at some of the past bonds, dude. There have been some really shitty bonds. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Pierce Brosnan was awful, you know, and he did four movies. You you can't really get on your high horse about not you, but like anyone. You can't really get in your high horse about who they cast as Bond anymore, because like, right? You know, yeah. Yeah, There's been a lot of dumb fucking choices. You're not wrong. Sure, sure. We'll see. I don't know. I I think I think it could be. Good. I think it'll be good. I'm open to it. Yeah, me too. I'm more so not, open to not it. Not my first pick, but, you know, he's not, not on the list, I guess. They missed the cut for Idris Elba. I can't, I just. I, yeah, I it's know. It's too late. God, yeah, they can't it's do it. It's too late. It's too late. Can't, can't do, do it. it. Oh, yeah. It's too late. It's just such a perfect choice. I don't know what they were thinking. It would be cool to do one Idris Elba Bond movie where it's not 007. Maybe it's like 008 or 006 or just a random. Yeah, like just, a spin off, right. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Just And just do one movie. You know? Okay. That'd maybe. be sick. We'll see. Maybe they'll do it. There's there's time. The elephant is dying. Whoa! <laughs> Where did he come from? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's the most fucking 90 shit. Like they just discovered how to how to do green screen. Oh my god, look at that. Look at the butterflies flapping around. And Eddie Murphy and and Michael Jackson are just levitating <laughs> in the clouds as like musical notes and and butterflies and birds start swirling around them. Uh, that's pretty bad. This is also very very white Michael. I mean, this very is like white peak, Michael. This yeah. is peak white Michael. This is before. Yeah, this is when white is Michael before was before cool. he kind of disappeared. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I don't know about cool. It was always kind of weird, but but like. This is when he was still, like, I don't know, doing stuff? Yes. yes. Could have been seen as sexy still. Mm. And Eddie sure. Murphy is doing a Stevie Wonder impression, essentially. Like, his <laughs> Stevie Wonder he used to do on SNL. <laughs> Remember, you are black and I am white. <laughs> uh, and he's got a handlebar mustache and he's wearing a wife beater. And he's just at the fucking peak of his powers right now. And is like, I can do what I am Teflon Eddie right now. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You know what I mean? He's just like, I can perform next to the king of pop wearing a wife beater. (laughs) For the record, by the way, the the king of pop is like doing like 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 60 year old man party dance. It's just bopping back and forth, (laughs) not doing anything. Yeah, definitely true. Look at him. Look at him. Oh my god. <laughs> There's peace signs now floating around. What is that effect? There's a dove. <laughs> Dude, this is so bad. They're in a picture frame now. I feel like I saw shit like this on PBS for like <laughs> my <laughs> All right, Michael Jackson is now climbing a uh, a stairway to heaven. <laughs> a musical staff. <laughs> This is the most 90s thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god. 
Dude, this is offensive. <laughs> be a kid in the 90s watching MTV and oh all of a sudden Michael Jackson and Eddie Murphy are flying <laughs> in the clouds. I don't know, man. This is bizarre. All right, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. Yeah, this makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it's not right. No. Yeah. <laughs> Something's not right with the world. Yeah. What's up with that? Eddie Murphy, baby. Uh, that's it, right? That's it for the show. Any other notes you have on the movie? <laughs> We're ending on Eddie Murphy? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Why not? As Hodorowski would have wanted. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I just find it so funny that somebody watched that movie and put it in the track. You think Michael Jackson watched it? Yeah. Dude, I, here's the funny thing about like with po- it's weird that with popular artists, Hodorowsky's more well known than we think. Oh, I mean, he was christened by John Lennon. I mean, exactly. It, his his entire existence is is credited to John Lennon. Yeah, that doesn't say at all. Yeah, and Kanye loves him too. And Kanye, yeah, which means it's something a lot different now than it did a couple yeah. years ago. But when yeah. we started this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Kanye thing bums me out, guys. I know it does. It bums me As out. As it should bum you out. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Not happy about it at all. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, no Hodorowsky stuff, right? We haven't decided yet. Well, we're going to do Hodorowsky January as a way to kick off the new year every year, okay. I think. Uh, yes, there's not a huge body of work. Right. No, yeah. We have to milk this shit. For as many years as possible. We definitely indulged. Not exactly Howard Hawks, this yeah. guy. You know what yeah. I mean? He wasn't exactly churning <laughs> no. out movies every We're year. We're almost at the point where we have more bits than we have time to <laughs> so do the bits. That's totally true, which is why we have to kill them. Yeah. We're, so we're it's getting crazy. Well, you know, you know something? Quentin Depew has a bunch of movies that we have not covered. That's true. June Depew will be back this mm. June. Yep. That's a great point. We might have to do that. Yeah, that's why we can't do uh, June. Je- oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Because we have June de Pew. We can't do June. We have to do Jalai. We have, yeah. Jalai. Jalai. <laughs> Are we doing documentary month this February, by Absolutely. the way? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's not February, it's March. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is March. Oh, it's March? It's March of the documentaries. Mm. Oh, you're <laughs> right. That's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> we do have uh, Groundhog Day coming up. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> We'll get to it. Oh, I did, by the way, want to read a statement from Joe DeFeo. Oh, no. <laughs> a statement. For uh, immediate release. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Is it attacking me? <laughs> were, there like, were, were there like 500 people in the CC, just a bunch of random email addresses? Yeah, exactly. That would have been, yeah. been really good. Yeah. Via my publicist. Once again, the Watati Awards prove that they are out of touch with the will of the people and the pulse of modern culture. By depriving Mr. DeFeo the chance to accept the laurels and kudos due to him, they have shown their biases and preference for the basis levels of modernity. <laughs> what? <laughs> the basis levels of modernity. <laughs> Mr. DeFeo awaits his chance to build his brand once again on Watat in the near future for the contractual obligation given to him via a drunk covenant. <laughs> Wow. Uh, so listen, sucks to suck. Um, listen, wouldn't it be interesting if we gave DeFeo's publicist the award? Yeah, I Ooh. think that he'll definitely be a nominee this year. Mm. Um, listen, we're we're not a biased body. We we give our award awards to the most deserving. Yeah, he just wasn't Joe, and it, it just, just wasn't you this year. Sorry, yeah, I mean there were better guests. That's just how it is. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You want a fucking handout now? Everybody gets a trophy this day and age? Try harder next time. Try harder. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Just work harder, okay? Mm. We'll see ya. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>